He goes, do you do realistic portraits? Oh, shit. Yeah, you know where this is going. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I do. And he's like, will you draw me as I am? Hmm. Okay. You know, let's do this. Firehouse Vigilance presents The Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance. It is Weekly Scrap. Number 140. I am super excited for tonight with special guest Paul Combs. He has been in the fire service since 1995, an instructor since 2000. He has retired since 2020 from the city of Bryan in Ohio. He's an FDIC instructor, FDIC hands-on instructor. One of the few, and it's an elite group, who has keynoted the big show. Everyone, of course, knows him best because of his uncanny ability to capture the fire service with his unique art style and ability to dive right to the heart of a matter with his cartoons. Uh, he is a published author of four books, as well as the illustrator of the best-selling Sprinkles the Fire Dog. And believe it or not, I'm kind of shortening the accolades, the ton of accolades that belong to this man in this intro. It is absolutely my pleasure to have Paul Combs on as the guest for episode number 140 of The Scrap. Thanks, Chief. Happy Brother. to be here. You know, it's always weird to hear your bio read back to you. It's, you know, it's one of those things, Jimmy, you could just say, it is, he's just a dude that fights fire and draws stuff. You know, and that would have been perfect. That would just encapsulate what I do. On the barest, on the barest level, maybe. Barest level, maybe. But it does not encapsulate what you I'm do. I'm just a dude. I'm just a dude. <laughs> as anyone who could would attest that see me try to put both feet in the one boot at 3 a.m., you know, just just a dude. Just a dude. Thank you. A hundred percent. glasses. Is there anything? I, I, obviously, you already covered it. But is there anything you'd like to add to the intro, or anything I missed? No, no, that's good. Beautiful. Uh, you audience, sound better than I am. So success. Please, if you're in the audience, get your questions ready for Paul Combs. I am super excited about it. I've got two pins ready. Let me get my pins in. The, yeah, two pins, different colors. Got my pad ready. Here's the deal, Kyle Romagus texted he called while i was actually talking to paul while we were getting ready to go live and he said hey brother caught a commercial fire you're on your own so kyle may show up later to curate the questions but 100 percent, if you have questions for paul combs about anything uh leadership motivation culture morale training cartoons like get them ready and send them to us because this is your chance to ask him a hundred percent so if you're ready be careful what you ask because i have pen and paper ready too I love it. I love it. Uh, dude, that uh, one you posted, was it yesterday or today? I, I think it might have been this morning or yesterday morning. I was on duty, but where you, uh, they said, would you like to sign our guest book? And oh, right. For the, for the Airbnb. Yeah. So my wife and I just spent our 30th wedding anniversary down in uh, Tennessee, in the Gatlinburg area. So we were you know, out into the national forest there for, you know, for four days. Um, and you know, like most Airbnbs, they have the little guest book. So right. uh, I couldn't just write something. So it had to be something drawn. And, and, we, and the funny thing is, is every day we were visited by this mama bear and three cubs, you know? And so and every morning I was expecting the, the, the soft top of my Jeep to be ripped apart, you know? <laughs> right on. No, dude, it was beautiful. It was epic. Like oh, I said, I, I think I posted on, I said, this is epic. Like yeah. how cool is that to have a Paul Combs original in your logbook at your Airbnb? Yeah, and I did hear from the host. They were they were pleased. That was that was awesome. I can only imagine, man. Okay, so I'm going to read you some question or uh, comments coming in already. Uh, 
hundred percent an awesome illustrator and a great speaker. I can't wait to hear this. That comes from Steve Kaiser. Uh, Amy Reyes said, this is going to be good. Great man. Amazing teacher from Jeremy Miklovic. Yes. hundred percent. Lots of hearts, lots of interaction. Uh, have you ever considered a Canadian themed illustration? We actually, we're not even into the questions yet. And you got your first question coming. Have you ever considered a Canadian themed illustration? I've done a few, um, mostly tribute cartoons if they've had a line of duty death or something like that. Sure. Um, but I mean, to be quite honest, I mean, the, the U S fire service and the Canadian fire service, I mean, we're, we're such a close family right. in how we do things. Yeah. You know that, I mean, I think that the, the, I mean, the, the cartoons I do literally crosses borders. No, I agree. But as far as doing one that's that's specifically themed for for Canada, and, and, and we'll maybe get into this a little bit when we talk about the cartoons and how I create them. But I'm a, I'm a big believer in staying in your lane. I mean, I get I get asked a lot of times to do cartoons for police, uh, you know, military, that sort of thing. But I don't know that world. Well, I I don't fight fires in Canada. I don't know the system there. You know, so aside from just the normal firehouse type things or the the bread and butter tactics, I wouldn't want to comment on something that was strictly canadian because i don't live in that world no it's beautiful and it and it segues so like you said right into the obviously i'm talking to paul combs so the first question out the out the gate has to be let's start with the cartoons how did it start for you have you i mean i mean i just quick just brief overview of the story of how it started Okay. Um, well, I mean, I've been, a, I've been an artist since I could hold a crayon. I mean, I, I drew my first comic book when I was four. Nice. You know, so I mean, being an artist was never a question. Um, I, I fell into the fire service accidentally. And so, I mean, up until that point, I was very classically trained. I mean, doing very realistic paintings, drawings, museum type work. Uh, and it wasn't until 2004 where um, I was doing some freelance work and started doing some cartooning, political cartooning. And just fell in love with that genre because of the, how original it is. Um, and, I mean, it's been kind of a skyrocket ever since because within six months, I was the staff editorial cartoonist at the Tampa Tribune and syndicated a year after that. You know, so th- that's how the cartoon part of it really started. But I was, I was out of the fire service for about a year and a half there when we lived in Tampa. And I was absolutely miserable. And so uh, the Fire Act at the time was big in the news. So I did a cartoon about the fire act and my editor knowing that I had a very strong, you know, fire service background at the time it, and only being in the fire service, I think uh, 10 years at that point. Right. You know, she's like, let's go ahead and run with it. And that afternoon I got a call from, I think it was either station 13 or 18 there in Tampa. And they were like only a firefighter would have known to put the details into that cartoon. You know, right. you want to come up for coffee, you know? And I'm like, Oh my God, you know, I think I left work. I think like in five minutes I was up there, you know, and that kind of became a weekly thing that I would go up and just have coffee and talk with the guys. And it made me feel a little bit at home. But uh, also that evening, I approached Firehouse.com and wanted to know if they would be interested in running cartoons like that. Right. And Dave Iannone, who was uh, running it at the time, gave me a call. And he's like, let's do this every month. And so that That's fast beautiful. is how I became a fire service cartoonist. So you were actually proactive about it whenever you were doing that. Yes. Oh, that's very cool, man. I, and and this is the thing that uh, the topics, and I'm going to get into the creation process. I, I, I want to ask you a lot of questions about this, but sure. the topics are always so relevant and spot on. Whether, whether you're talking about morale issues or people being humans, uh, PTSD, suicide, stereotypical things, all the way to hot button topics, uh, whether it be clean cab or uh, smooth bore versus fog, 
you are just so like on point and relevant and and I, I just kind of want to know I want to peek inside like open it up and peek inside your brain and say what goes on in there oh that's scary yeah um, you know I mean it, 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 with okay so I guess it starts with this I don't know I mean I put it up here earlier and I'll see if you can see so oh, yeah. this is how I take notes and this is how my brain works in small little fragments of thumbnails love it and one word can spark four cartoon ideas and it just starts to shoot like fireworks off in my brain. Right on. Uh, so, I mean, it's whether it's, you know, listening to a podcast like this, whether it's reading an article, whether it's going to a conference or just having a conversation around the tailboard or kitchen table, a lot of times one word, one phrase, one discussion will, you know, shoot off into different ideas for cartoons. Um, and sometimes those cartoons are, they come to me quickly. Sometimes it's just a fragment of an idea that gets put in a book. I, this is my fifth volume of cartoon books like this. And it's just, you know, small little notes that, I, you know, that I take that I have to get out of my head or they drive me insane. And, and dude, it complete. I'm trying to put this in the right words. Cause I completely understand what you have to get it out. Yes. You, ha- you have to, it's like yeah. a, a driving desire to get out the message because, and that, I think that's what resonates and, and is so authentic in what you do. So, I want to ask you about your creation process. Obviously, you said one mm-hmm. word turns into tons in the in your right. book. So your creation process, are you completely a sketch-based? Is it electronic? Is it, I mean, on the physical side of things as opposed to the mental? Right. Well, you know, it's kind of all over the place. I mean, I still love doing work traditionally when I can. I still, I, I'm still in love with that feel of the drag of pen on paper. Right. You know, so, I mean, obviously, every one of my cartoons starts with these small little hand-drawn thumbnails in my book. Uh, but, it, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've fallen in love with the versatility of the digital. And I'm looking to my left because the, I have, you can't see it, but I've got a large Wacom Cintiq. Okay. That's, it's, it's, it's huge. Um, and then I also have an iPad Pro that I'll sketch on as well, depending on where I'm at. And if my wife says I'm in the studio too long and I need to come down and watch Hallmark with her or something, sure, I'll be sketching so I can pretend like I'm doing it, but I'm really not. I 100% understand. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's kind of all over the board. I still love to do it hand-drawn if I, if I can. Uh, but as far as painting, I do that all digital. So regardless of where it's drawn, it's scanned into Photoshop. And then I paint the, the cartoons there. And, and that's what you do. Process probably from beginning to end. I put about ten to twelve hours into every cartoon. That's what that was my next question is how long does each one take from conception to yeah. sketch to digitized to final product? Yeah, because again, I'm still kind of the, I mean, I, like I said, I was trained classically. Right. So I don't come at it in, in the sense of a, what a true cartoonist would. You know, so I still look at things like lighting, shading, spacing, um, you know, the, 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 how the, the colors interact with each other, you know, the triangle where you're, you know, to keep your eyes moving around. So all those things, again, like what we were talking about, the, the, the behind the things, seeing things you yes. were doing to get the podcast going, all the things that you never see that goes on, you know, with, with the creation of artwork like this, that you see the finished product. You know, and within 10 seconds, if I've done my right, I've elicited some kind of emotion out of you or, you know, made point. You don't see the ten hours that was put right. in and the thought process of everything that goes into it. So no, it's the it's the hundred percent the making of the sausage. Like, yeah, it is. It really is. Yes, and it's, and it's ugly. No, I, that, dude, I, <laughs> you just had to be subjected to it for a few <laughs> short minutes, be getting ready to go live here, and a hundred percent, I, I, I uh, you're like a kindred spirit when I talk to you about it because it is a thousand percent. Like, 
as the end user of Paul Combs artwork, and I use, I, I absolutely have you in my presentations. I put up one of them about, uh, uh, the, it's the giant head of, uh, leadership. I, oh, right. I, I know what your problem is with leadership, but I don't think you're going to like the solution. Yeah, exactly. And I use that one. And I, and, uh, and I always say this man captures the American fire service better than anybody with a single picture, you know, mm-hmm. and it's Paul Combs. And I love, I love what you do, but again, I never even think about the sheer amount of work that went in behind that to make that happen, Yeah, you know? And so, a hundred percent, I understand it. So, uh, we got questions coming at you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to see here if I can find it because I, again, Kyle is on his, uh, commercial fire claiming to be on a commercial fire. We'll, we'll check it out later. Um, I'm scrolling. Great work on the book with Chief Fiskew. So we're going to talk about sprinkles. So I won't touch that one. Okay. They are, they are all just as relevant here in Canada as they are there. The fire service is the fire service. It's the fire service. So it's, 100% Scott's, Scott Farrow said that and completely supporting what we talked about earlier. It's amazing that you think an issue is specific to your department and then you see one of his illustrations and you realize that every other department is dealing with the same stuff. Love yeah. his cartoons and can't wait to learn more about him. So there you go. I'm getting comments here. Okay. We got hi, Paul from Carolina Beach. That comes from Steve Robertson. Stevie. Yes, 100%. Bobby. And he's down there. Like, like I know it. I know. He's a rock star. 100%. He's a rock star. Uh, Joey Hayes says, one thing I absolutely love about the fire service is how it includes so many talented people with a diverse set of disciplines. You yes. can find so much talent just sitting around a firehouse kitchen table from region to region. Absolutely. Good stuff. Good stuff. I thought there was a question. I'm looking. I'm looking again. Uh, what's the ratio of cartoons you print and sell versus the ones you don't? Hmm. So how many do you, I mean, how many of the, the concepts from the book make it to a final product? Wow. Um, that's a good question. You know, honestly, the, the, the idea book that I showed you, um, there's typically about eight different ideas on each page. And maybe one of those will actually make it all the way to a finished cartoon. So eight to one is probably a safe rate. Yeah, but, yeah. Ten, ten well, to probably one, sixteen to one. to one. Okay, about sixteen to one. I mean, because again, these are fragments that are getting out of my head, you know. And and again, like I said, I'm, I'm on my fifth volume that dates back to two thousand four of these, and I will from time to time go back and look at some of these, and it's like the, the fragment that was in two thousand six now makes sense, right? You know, and then that will flesh out into, you know, a cartoon. So I, I, I actually go back and review my own ideas from time to time. It's like reading a diary, except, you know, everything's in chicken scratch, little circles <laughs> chicken, and lines. Chicken scratch and, and doodles? Chicken, yeah, doodles. I love it. All right. Let me see if my, all right. I'm pulling up because Kyle Romagas is back. Awesome. Chief. Training chief. I'm pulling it up. Typing it in here. Everybody deal with me for one second. Not trying to take away from Paul. No. He's one of those people that make me extremely jealous because I cannot grow an epic mustache. All right. Kyle already thrown a question in here for me to throw at you. He said, have you ever done a time-lapse video of a sketch to rough draft to paint to final product? Have you ever? No, but soon. Dude, that has to happen, man. Yeah, I just, soon, I just, soon. I just read that and said, if you haven't done it, you have to yeah. do that. You, you know, and I'm terrible about doing the social media posts like that, you know, because I mean, I know that people like to see the behind the scenes of the sketching. Oh, bro, well, I'll do these little 10, 15 second, you know, little, you know, where you can see me doing it. 
Uh, but no, to, do one, no. to, to do the time lapse all the way through, uh, it's just a matter of sitting down and doing it. No, you got to so. capture that, and then there's you put it to music and make it happen, dude. That is that's <laughs> my, dude. That's gold. That's curious. I'll watch that, them for hours. Now, so. see, now you've got me thinking about what the music would even be. So, no, yeah, I, I don't care. Like, that is something happen. I do want to do. Between between your ability and then Kyle's question, like you have to make that happen. Uh, <laughs> Robert J. Ortega said, "I love Paul Combs." I, I'm. Uh, we got someone that said, love this question. Okay, love this question. What's the ratio? Okay, that was Amanda Moore. Oh, that's my wife. I love her. Uh, she said, what's the ratio? But you answered that one. One right. of the best illustrations. Oh, I'm waiting on Kyle to catch up. So I'm saying, one of the best illustrations, senior firefighter standing in front of the devil, and the devil asks, why did you make fun of rookies instead of stepping up and being a true leader? So it's a statement. Mm. Sorry. No, oh, yeah. Love Sorry, it. it takes me a second. I've drawn over 650 cartoons, so sometimes I have to go through the mental Rolodex to figure out which one they're talking about. Yeah. Dude, you know, I have this. Yes. Yeah, and, and it's funny that we, you know, I would say a good 80% of my cartoons come out of, I mean, and I think, and especially with editorial cartoons, we do a lot. Uh, our work is, is driven through emotion. So if I'm really pissed off, you're going to see a cartoon that's really pissed off. If I'm in a fun mood, you're going to see something that, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the, the creation process. And there's actually a step-by-step of that. Nice. And there's and kind of a thought behind doing that. But even that cartoon that's being referred to, um, I guess I probably shouldn't go into names here. But there was, that was, that was <laughs> yeah, that was something that I witnessed within my own firehouse of a senior leader who really was treating well, he was treating younger firefighters like crap. Right. You know, when they're the lifeblood of what we do. 100%. You know, and uh, so. I went yeah. on a diatribe today. It was like, I can't think of something that's weaker like than a probationary rookie firefighter in his rookie year. Someone who has less power and control over their own circumstances. And for that person to be picked on or yeah. singled out, I, I can't think of a, of a bigger way you could be a bully than to pick on that person. Exactly. They, they have no power. I mean, yeah. and so that mindset of who allow the, okay, complete rant. No, 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 no. Hey, I'll be going <laughs> off on tangents just so you know, it's going to happen. Fair enough. That's what makes it great. Um, I want to go into the creation process because you touched on it already. So let's just dive into that. What is the creation process for a Paul Combs editorial cartoon? And you kind of touched on it, but I want to hear it. Right. All right. So, again, everything starts with the, the thumbnails, the ideas, the fragments. Uh, but, you know, I, I really you know, I, I put my work into three different categories. Um, you know, there's the I, I talk about it, it's a tickle treatment, the punches and the jabs and the gut punches. Nice. You know, and, you know, I had an editor one time uh, at the Tampa Tribune, uh, Rosemary Goodrow. She was phenomenal. And she gave me some great advice my first week in Tampa. And it was, you know, a great editorial cartoonist is like a concert pianist. And they've got to be able to hit all the tempos. They have to hit all the notes. They have to be able to use the entire keys of the keyboard. Because if you just keep playing the same note, people tune out. Right. You know, it's just like listening to, you know, it's like listening to a speaker who never changes voice inflection or, or, you know, you just drift off. Monotone. Yeah. Right. Very monotone. So, you know, my, if I do the same cartoons and they're always this gut punch, gut punch, gut punch at some point, you're just, it's like, Oh, I know what's coming. You know? So I, there's actually some purpose behind when I put something out that's just silly, 
You know, those are the tickle treatment cartoons. They have no point. It's just right. something that I silly that I've seen at the firehouse or something like that. You know, that's just fun to, you know, hey, you know, I know that person. You know, I, I did one recently about the two, you know, guys playing golf. Right. No, you know, the, the, truck, the truck against the, engine, you know? yes, yes. Right. No point there other right. than it's just a, the, the fun part of our culture, what that is. You know, the, the, the ball busting that we do. Absolutely. You know, but, but I, that sets up. Sorry, I'm just, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I Go ahead. I want to hear it. Go ahead. I'll, right, I'll, so I'll make my points later. The, 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 the punches and jabs. So these are the ones that have humor to them, but they also have a point. You know, and it's and it's hard. I wish I could have a way of showing samples of these. Um, you know, like I did one where, you know, I've got two firefighters. They're, they're, they're crawling through it. And you've got the fire going overhead. And the firefighter supporting the one with the nozzle has pink fuzzy slippers on. And he's like, they're for emotional support. <laughs> right, right. But, but, but what it does, it, it, it over, you know, it, it talks about the emotional stability. And absolutely. Emotional support that we need sometimes in that a juxt- secret way. The juxtaposition. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then what really sets up what I think are the most important cartoons I do are the gut punches. Right. The ones about mental health, the ones yes. about how we deal with different things that are very serious topics. No humor is ever intended with these. And I'm seriously looking for that reaction of you just being punched in the gut. Yes. And I can't put those out all the time because, again, I want that to be powerful. I want you to pay attention to that cartoon above all. So the other ones kind of set that up. No. You know, thousand. No, no. And and hearing you articulate it like 100 percent makes sense, because, again, the, the, the putting one, the golfing one. Yeah. It taps into. Uh, the culture and the history and and the identity of the fire service. It's not like it's, I don't want to say it's fluff. It's not fluff because this is just as deep as the others, but, but it brings you along and says, come on, come on. Now here comes a jab. Here comes a jab. You're playing the soft keys over here so that you can pound the deep bass when when you need to and make a symphony. Dude, it's beautiful. Um, and, And a lot of times, I mean, and what you see published doesn't mean that that's exactly the one that I drew. I keep a cache of, uh, we call them evergreens, you know? So, I mean, there, there's, I have probably have 10 cartoons that are already finished that are kind of all over the spectrum as far as, you know, the tickle treatments to the gut punches. And sometimes they're just, it's just not the right time to put something like that out. It's not the right message, that sort of thing. Um, but again, when they're created, that is a conduit for the emotion that I'm feeling, you know? So, you know, you don't know what what you're seeing, what you see when you when it when it's published, you know, that could have been created five months prior, right? But that is a window of the emotion that I was feeling at the time that I created it. So let me ask, and I, you've you've had like over 650 illustrations, so I know this is a very broad toss to you, but which which ones have been the most emotionally charged for you personally? I you know I think the hardest one for me to draw. Um, was in, in 2008, my lieutenant committed suicide. Hmm. And we did not see this coming. Uh, he, was, he was literally the first person, other than the fire chief, that I met. And like I said, I, I fell into the fire service accidentally. Right. It, that's a fun story if we want to get into it later. We will. But uh, um, when I walked into the firehouse, he was standing at the back bay door, slender man, smoking a cigarette. He was that quintessential, you know, that, that Marlboro man. Right. You know, right. That, that iconic thin firefighter that, you know, you, you think about from the 60s and 70s, you know, and, you know, and, and I walk in and he introduces himself to me 
And he's like, you know, he's like excited to be here. And I was like, oh, my, I, 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 you know, this is this is a dream come true kind of thing. Right. You know, and the only thing he said was don't fuck it up. And he takes a long draw from his cigarette, you know, and tosses it down. And that's all he said. But that's all he had. That's, you know, it's one of those things where if you have to keep telling people you're the leader, you're not the leader. You're not the leader. You know, he didn't even tell me his rank. But I knew he was an important figure in that firehouse because of the way he conducted himself. He had that presence. Yes. Someone who was in authority, someone that is saying, you know what, I'm not telling you to respect me, but, you know, you're going to be respecting me. And I fell in love with that persona of him. He was literally the first in, first out guy. He was, you couldn't tell a dirty joke dirtier than him because he would take it to, <laughs> he would take it to obscene levels because he couldn't stand to lose a joke. He would win. You know, he was that guy. So you, right. you, I'm framing the picture of who this guy was. Sure. But he was starting to get toward the end of his career. Um, he had had some health issues, some injuries. He was having a lot of issues at home. Um, he had, he had, he had, you know, recently went through a divorce, but he was always the same Roger when he was at the firehouse and we didn't really start putting all the pieces together. We didn't know to ask those questions at the time. Absolutely. You know, until, you know, uh, in, you know, January 9th of 2008, we get the call. It was a Sunday night at six. So 5 PM, you know, we got the call and, uh, I, I still can't even explain the depth of that feeling. You know, I mean, and, and hundreds and thousands of people have felt that feeling. I mean, it's nothing Absolutely. new and unique to me. But being an artist and being someone who creates things out of emotion, I could not formulate and I couldn't wrap my head around what I wanted to say. And it, it actually took me a year to do this cartoon. It's two firefighters sitting in the back of an engine. I and one's got a sign. Yeah, got a sign. and said, I've been thinking about suicide. Please help. And it's, you know, the, the tagline is, if it was only this obvious. Right. No, I know. I, I, yeah. Yeah. And so I, again, you know, and I'm a big believer in it's the little things that you do to make the biggest impact in the lives of others. Um, it, it's, it's a, it's a phrase that I've been using for years because I believe it wholeheartedly. I mean, we all love going to the big sexy calls, you know, but it's the little things we do that sometimes make the biggest impact. And I did that cartoon and it was mostly for me. It was a way for me to get that emotion out into something yeah creative so I could get it out of here, you know, on the paper. And I mean, it got a lot of responses. Um, there were a lot of people that, you know, they say, Hey, that, you know, that I was maybe on the edge or I needed help. And this cartoon helped me along, but it wasn't until a couple of years later that uh, I got an email from a chief in Illinois and they had a female firefighter uh, paramedic and she had had two or three really, really traumatic calls in a row. Some involving children. And she had started having some issues at home and she was doing the, the, the tailspin down. Right. They tried interventions. They tried different things. She wouldn't have it. And they were really starting to get concerned about her. And until one day I, she walks into the chief's office, she closed the door and she hands him her cell phone. And on the phone was that cartoon. And the conversation that she couldn't start, she used the cartoon yeah. to get that started. And that yeah <laughs> that 
Yeah, yeah, I know. It's been a long time and it still hits me. That I think struck me the hardest and the most and the deepest because in a lot of ways Roger was still saving lives. Yes. Through me, through that medium, through what I would call a simple drawing, he's still saving lives. And for the 650 cartoons, and I've got, you know, I've got, I could list you favorites. Right, right. That is still the top because of the emotional connection I have to my lieutenant, to, I know directly how many people that has uh, helped. From what drove you to drive it, to get it out of your own psyche, out of your own soul, yes. into, uh, like, like hearing, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, what I my next question is what are some of your favorites? So, we'll go into favorites besides most impactful. Um, you know, and I, I there's another one that I did where you've got two firefighters. I call it training day where you got a veteran firefighter talking to a recruit and they're small in the screen but you have a large Maltese cross behind them. You know, and he's saying the symbol, you know, that owes you nothing but it will give you everything if you everything. dedicate yourself to it. Yes. You know, and I love that one because, and I didn't think about it at the time when I drew it, but how much that resonates with me because I'm living proof of what that cartoon is. You know, I'm not FDMY, I'm LAFD. I'm not, you know, I, I don't come from a large metro, you know. Right. I, did, I made the decision a long time ago that I wanted to, to, to stay and work and protect in a smaller community. But to be able to dedicate my craft my passion and my, in my, in my ability to do these cartoons. Again, I'm not saying anything new in the fire service. I'm just using a different tool to say it, you know, that will appeal to a different audience. And that cartoon resonates so much with me because I mean, there is nothing special about me. There are a lot of people in the, even in the fire service can draw really, really well, but I've been able to do what I do because of the, for one, the passion that drives me, but because I did give myself to that symbol Right. I didn't. Exp- I, I didn't ask anything back. No, it's strong. It's strong, man. Ugh. You know. So th- I think that would probably, as far as my favorite ones, that would probably be there because again, it re- you know it relates back to how I feel about what I do. No, no, a thousand percent. And and and, and I gotta say, just I have to say this is uh, there may be a lot of people that draw as good as you, but mm, they're, well, they're, some some even better. Better, a hundred percent. I'm not. Yes. I'm not taking that away from you or or adding that away from what you're saying, but. Um, to be able to have the insight to tie it to what you're drawing is is a is a gift, and don't downplay that ever whatsoever. Of, no, from what you've brought to the American Fire Service, I don't know anybody who had like they may not know Paul Combs, but when they see a Paul Combs cartoon, they know a Paul Combs cartoon. My so, work is far more famous than I'll ever be, and I'm uh, totally cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have to ask you which have you felt have been the most impactful. I think we've touched on that, but is yeah. there others that you feel like have been uh, impactful? Besides, you know, man. yeah, I mean, there there have been a few. Um, and again, I mean, I get no, even like even the cartoon I did with the two, you know, the two firefighters playing golf. Yes, you know, I get a lot of comments about you know, oh my god, that brought back so many great memories. Yes, you know, so I don't it, know it, that it, I can, yeah, I can put those in a hierarchy of which ones are the most impactful or what, because they all appeal to a different audience. And, you know, they, the, even the ones where I put it out there and I don't think they're going to get much of a response at all, sometimes gets a, a, an avalanche of response because again, I've, 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 I've tuned into something emotional 
that other people, you know, dude, that dude, even even the golf one because it's yes. them two old guys in the baggy pants out there on that green. And and don't get me wrong, I'm I'm approaching the end of my career. You retired in 2020, so I, I and and I'm approaching, you know, in the next few years something I'm gonna have to look at. But I really connected to those. How much is that gonna be? What, not what I have left, but right. That's what I get to hold on to is busting some guy's chops on the putting yeah. green. You and know you know, and it's. And I can't, I mean, I don't know if it's that way for every retiree, but I think the thing I miss the most, I mean, obviously the calls you missed, you know, you missed the adrenaline. Absolutely. You know, and, and, you know, and it it takes you a couple of months to learn how to sleep. But I think what I, I miss the most is being on the truck and being with those knuckleheads of my crew, you know, because that was the time where it was gloves off and I, I was not Lieutenant Combs. I didn't care. They called me by my first name. Didn't matter. Gloves off. And these guys would try to spiral it down to the point. If I shook my head and went, I'm done tapping out, that made their day. But that built such a team with my guys because I allowed them to have that freedom. And I think it's those moments I miss the most. Those moments after a, you know, a, a good fire yes. where you're exhausted, you're wet, you're dirty, and you're coming back. And you've got that banter or something going on, you know, and I, that 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 in that that micro community within the closed cab, I miss. No, and 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 every 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 uh, retired guy at every retiree breakfast I go to, none of them miss like the calls. None of them miss the the BS. None of them miss the politics. Yeah. It's all about the 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 guys and gals that they made rides with. Man, that's yeah. what they miss. Man, the camaraderie. So a thousand percent, um, and and we could run. Uh, I'm going to switch topics on you. Uh, sure. They're so relevant, um, but I want to go to Sprinkles, and you and Frank Viscuso. I got to talk to Frank. I he's one of he's one of my biggest mentors that I never met until FDIC this year. So I actually got to meet him in person, and it was really exciting. But we actually sat there, and uh, he actually pulled up his phone and was like, "No, no, I want you to understand." The story behind this, he's like, here's some of the first renditions of Sprinkles. And he showed me some of the first. Oh, he showed those to you. Oh, awesome. yeah, dude. It was awesome. It was it was a great conversation. And I want to say this. Like, like Frank Viscuso is one of my favorite people. Um, if you meet the man, he makes you feel like you're the most important person in the world when he talks to you. Yeah. And I want to capture that, and I want to give that to other. Like, he's one of those people that I want to be like, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, but uh, talk to me about Sprinkles the Fire Dog being able to be the illustrator for that and the inspiration for it and the impact it has had. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's funny. That, I mean, Frank, Frank asked me to do this probably a year and a half before we actually started doing it. Um, and, and, I, and I kept saying no again because it's that uh, I, I'm used to telling a story within one frame. Kind of going back to what we talked about, you know, I'm used to making you look around and see things and flow, you know, like reading a page, you know, you, you read it top to bottom, left to right, you know, so there's a way I want you to go. So to, to, to do a book over 32 spreads and I got to say, I was probably intimidating it out of, you know, intimidating myself out of doing. It. Okay. Uh, so okay. it took me a long time to convince myself that this is something I could do and that I wanted to do. And Frank, again, bless his heart, he was so patient with me with this, you know, and he's like, I only want you to do this. And, you know, and it, it's got to be it's got to be us or we're not going to put it together, all these things, you know, so right. he was he was so patient with me. Um, 
But then, you know, I, I basically had to start just just digging into it and relearn how to tell stories. Um, so it, it, once it happened, um, I think I illustrated the entire book in two months. But it oh, was really? every day. It was an every day. That's all I did was illustrate that book, going out, taking reference shots, because I didn't want just to do this simple little, you know, cute little puppy going to the firehouse thing. I wanted something that was going to be gritty, something that, you know, we, we really wanted to create a, a picture book that the fire service had never seen. Nice. No, no. It, it, and it wasn't just it. a cute little, yeah, it just wasn't yes. a cute little dog going to the firehouse. It had a story behind it. It had, you know, there, there was a good lesson there. But as an illustrator, I wanted to tell the story that would accompany Frank's words because the story that he wrote was so powerful. And if, if you ever have a chance, he has a great story on how the story was written. Okay. So you, I'll let I'll him tell to, that story. It's I'll have phenomenal. I'll bring him on as a, as a follow-up for the story oh behind the story yeah, behind the story of past. He has a great story on how it actually happened. Okay. And, and it, it is one of those perfect storm kind of situations. But I wanted the illustrations and the city to be part of the character. So, I mean, I would go out and I mean, I'm, I'm literally laying down on my tummy and on, on the street taking re- reference photographs from the angles that I wanted. That, that you wanted to wrinkle. My wife was seen. my spotter, so I, you know, I wouldn't be the idiot, the dork getting hit in the street. You know, so, but I, I really had to relearn how to tell stories. Um, but so we. And, we and that is some commitment to the craft. I'm not going to lie. That's a commitment <laughs> to the craft. Well, I, I can be kind of obsessive at times. Um, a- anybody, but, anybody that is super passionate. And successful with their passion usually is excessive at times. Yes. But go ahead. So, you know, once we had this all finished up, of course, it went up, you know, fire engineering. They were very excited about it. Um, and so once the book was published and it was out there, we knew we had a good story. We knew it had a good message. The thing we didn't anticipate and became this beautiful side story and maybe the maybe the major story of this book was we started getting all of these photographs of the kids sitting on the parents' laps reading the book. And it became one, two, three, four, up to 10 a day at times that we were getting this. And we realized that we had created something that went far beyond just a good lesson. Right. That it was something that the family could use to reconnect. That it was when you come home from that shift, you come home from that call as a volunteer, whatever it may be, it was a way for you to go, I'm going to bring my family back. We're going to have this reading time about this, you know, the fire service, something I already love. Right. And we can reconnect as a family. No, it's beautiful. And I, and I, and I can't speak for Frank, but I think that may be the thing I'm most proud of with this book is that it was that unintentional side thing that became the major story of, of what this book means. The unintended consequence of that family bonding time over Sprinkles the Fire Dog. Over Sprinkles the Fire Dog. Dude, that's an unbelievably good story, man. I love yeah. it. But yeah, you need to ask Frank about the uh, the creation of the story. It's 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 it really is good. Okay. I will I will definitely take you up on that. The decompression, the family time, everything that came from it, man. Yes. Hundred percent. Okay, I'm gonna switch topics on you again. Uh I always send out people, uh, when I, when I do the scrap, I always send out an email and you got it. It's like, what topics would you like to talk about? And the main reason is because as long as we have topics to talk about, we can go anywhere. We can rabbit hole. We can do whatever. We can deep dive as long as we have that. And so, uh, but you responded to me and, and I always, not always, but I get these response. I didn't know anything about your, your involvement with USO. Mm-hmm. And so I want to hear about this. And and just let you go like your involvement with USO. How did it start, and how how has it impacted you, and how has it affected 
your like insight. But but yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm part of the National Cartoonist Society, and we have been working with the USO um, since. I think it's World War II. So I think we actually started in 1942, 1943, sending cartoonists over, you know, with with Bob Hope and all the other, you know, right, the, back the entertainers, the you know. Right. And I think Bob Hope was the one person that, you know, probably most people associate with the USO. Uh, Ingrid Bergman. Historically, yeah, Bob, yeah, 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 with yeah. the new modern, you know, entertainers sure. and stuff, you know. So we, in, in, in 2009, um, uh, Jeff Bacon, who's a retired Navy captain, he's also the cartoonist for the Navy Times, uh, he does broadside and greenside. Some of them, some of the military folks, will, I'm sure they're familiar with them. Right on. Uh, but Jeff got in touch with the USO and rekindled this relationship. And I actually ended up going in my first tour in 2011, which was not overseas, but in, in at San Diego, we were visiting all the hospitals. Um, and then, you know, since then, I mean, I, we, we, we started winding this down in 2018 uh, with the drawdown of the troops, that sort of thing. Sure, but you know that for that for that seven year period, um, I was taking two three tours a year, and doing that we were going to Afghanistan, Iraq, Kuwait, Djibouti, Africa. Um, we were Turkey. You know, we'd go to Germany and, and do the Air Force base, and we you know did Lustal, you know the hospital there. Uh, we would do you know Walter Reed, all the you know hospitals here in the U.S., and that's just to name a few places where we'd actually go. And we would, you know, we would go to the major bases and places like Afghanistan and they chop us out to the forward operating bases, that sort of thing. So we could go out and have a little bit more of a reach with some of the, the troops that don't necessarily get to see the big shows and the concerts. Right. And I think honestly think that was probably the the biggest impact that we had, because, you know, you go there, you see an entertainer. Um, uh, what's a uh, Lieutenant Dan and, and the something bad. I forget. Anyway, the, the, the actor from, uh, Force Gump, you know, he's, uh, yeah. I, oh man, name, it can draw me crazy. I can't I know, think of his name. Yes. So he's got his band and stuff and he is huge in the USO, but they go there and they'll put on a show, they'll put on, you know, and they'll sign autographs. You get a photograph with them. And so your interaction with them is really not that personal. Right. And the beautiful thing about what we had, to, you know, that what we got to do was to share our gift with these soldiers for 15, 20 minutes, because that's the only time that I do live caricature is when we're on USO tours. So I get to make, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I, yeah. You know, I, I'm, you know, I, you know, we draw in the hideous ears and all so that So you stuff. get some Paul Combs caricatures. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I do those when I'm on the USO tours. Nice. I'm not particularly good at it, but I do them. Right on. And they have a big, they have a lot of laughs about it, you know, and we learned over the years how to position ourselves so their buddies can see what we're drawing. And it just, you know, you, you learn how to play off everything Absolutely. and make it more of a moment for them. But the beautiful thing about that is for that 20 minutes, um, I get to talk to you. I get to ask you about your family. I get to ask you about sports teams, you know, anything you're interested in. And I want to keep you talking about it because for that 15 or 20 minutes, I'm your lifeline home. That's beautiful. You know, I get to, you know, for, for that 15 or 20 minutes, you're back to wherever, you know, if you're Houston, Texas, Oklahoma, Ohio, it doesn't matter. You're back there. For you're back there for just a short. Telling me about your kids, showing me pictures, you know, all these things. And that is the beautiful thing about what we get to do. And at the end of it, I, I, I hand you this silly, you know, drawing of yourself and something you can Skype home, you know, for a couple of times. And we love that interaction with the soldiers because, again, it's more than that snapshot. 
And they always thank us for being there. And it, it, would, it always humbled us because it was our pleasure to be there for them. You know, to be able to share our gifts and do that. I mean, it's something, I mean, it, we're volunteers doing this. And it always amazed me where my boots have been in this world. Just to be able to follow that passion of, you know what, I want to give something back. And, you know, and, and what I always tell my daughter, there's power in the word yes. Even when you're terrified of what the question is. And, you know, when someone tells, you know, a dork like me, you know, hey, you want to go to Afghanistan? You know, that's not a comfortable thing to do. Right. You know, but there's power in the word yes. You know, keynoting FDIC was a terrifying event for me, even though I had two <laughs> years to prepare for it. Right. You know, but there's power in the word yes. Yes. And to be able to go out and do those things and to give back through the USO, um, you know, and, and I think probably, and those were, those were great moments we had. We made great connections. We still keep in touch with a lot of soldiers we met over the years. Um, a lot of them were firefighters, you know, and of course they would come up, hand me a patch. And of course, you know, now we're hugging in the middle of a crowd, you know, absolutely. And it's firefighters, you know, doing what firefighters do. Um, but I, I think the, the hospital visits were probably the most impactful Ooh. because now I'm dealing with kids that are the same age as my daughter at the time. And, you know, uh, you, you come home from these and you appreciate what you have around you a lot more. You hug your family a little bit tighter. Sure. Um, I know uh, the, the story that probably hit me the hardest was um, we were in Germany and there was this one soldier that the nurse came up and asked if I would go in and, and draw for him, that he was awake and he was interested in having someone to talk to. And she's like, just so you know, um, he's he's badly burned. Okay, let's, you know, let's look game on. Let's do this. I walk in and he's very disfigured. But um, he, he'd already had, I think, six surgeries up to that point. You know, he'd been there for five months, hadn't seen his family, had very little communication with him, um, was feeling very much alone. So I'm like, I'm going to sit down and just sit on the edge of the bed and have a conversation with him. So we got talking. He was asking about what I do and stuff. And I was like, well, I do caricatures and stuff like that. He goes, do you do realistic portraits? Oh, shit. Yeah, you know where this is going. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I do. And he's like, will you draw me as I am? Mm. Okay. You know, let's do this. So as we're talking, I'm doing a drawing of him. And at the end, I ask him, is like, you sure you want to see this? And he goes, yes, sir, I do. Very emphatic. He wanted to see. And I showed it to him. And he nodded his head a couple of times, just kind of laid it down on his stomach and said, thank you. He goes, the nurses here would never give me a mirror. This is the first I've seen what I've looked like. Oh. And the, the, the gravity of a moment like that, you know, I mean, you, this is the, he, he couldn't have been 20 years old. And again, it's the little things you do that make the biggest impact in the lives of others. <laughs> it, 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 comes, it keeps coming back to that. And that's why I keep saying it, because it, it does. You know, that was a little thing. And it's huge. It, it, I mean, that weighed on me for a long time. It still does. No. But I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to do it for him. Uh, I, I really wish I would know what, you know, how life turned out for him post hospital. And, right. you know, <clears throat> you always get, wonder. Get the follow up. You do. You always wonder how life turned out for him, you know, but to be able to, to give him something at that moment, to give him some peace of mind, because it was clearly something that was weighing on him. 
Absolutely. And, and a simple you, drawing, you know, a simple drawing. It took me 15 minutes to do. Right. You know, and so you, that's but, the power. And, 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 and the other cartoonists have similar stories because we've all been put into situations like that where we've had a chance to give back. So I, I, I would honestly say that being part of the USO is probably the most gratifying thing I've ever done. It really is. With stories like that, I cannot even imagine. I'm, not, I'm the wrong person to interview. My broken ass just sitting here just bawling. So, <laughs> 100%. Uh, uh, Chief Nathan Steger, he's from my department. He reached out. He got to catch your class in FDIC, but he asked this question. I don't know the context of it, but he said, love the picture from the cockpit. Ask him to tell the story. Oh, so I don't, I don't know the story, so I'm asking. All right. So, the story that is, is I, and, and I put that... I put a picture up and I, I'm in the cockpit of a C-17 okay. and I'm doing the whole cheesy, you know, dork grin, you know, <laughs> and the pilots are you know, sitting there being cool pilots. And if you, if you're not familiar with it, there's actually stairs that go up to the cockpit of this huge, massive uh, troop carrier, you know, material carrier. And I'm going butchering what this thing is, but it's just a massive, massive plane. And so you can go up into the cockpit and you can hang with these guys and, so the story in my presentation goes that uh, when I decided that I was going to be a cartoonist, uh, I had this mentor uh, that was a college professor, and he uh, was, I guess I was supposed to be some type of prodigy. I don't know what was going on, except that he was really mentoring me into being this fine artist, doing these very elaborate drawings, that kind of thing. When I told him that I was going to uh, become a cartoonist, what I thought was he would be excited about the new opportunity he actually became very infuriated really? and felt betrayed that I, you know, that I was actually betraying the craft because cartooning wasn't a true art, you know, all these things. Right. And when I left his office, he made the comment that cartooning would never take me any place. I love that. <laughs> and so I, I actually bring that back to the part of my, my presentation where I call it 12 ingredients for success, where I list the 12 things that I Hold the standards basically I hold myself to to become successful at whatever I'm trying to do. You know, and part of that is to never give up. You never let the naysayers stop you from what your passion is and what you want to do. And so I put that in there because that conversation happened in 2004. The photograph was taken in 2014. And if I would have listened to him and I would have not followed that path, I would have never been able to get myself into positions like being a volunteer with the USO. And again, finding myself in these, 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 these amazing places all over the world and in a cockpit of a C-17 doing the right. whole dorky grin, you know, <laughs> thumbs up touristy, you know, thing. Never going to leave anywhere. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it, was, it was seriously, I think I, I, I don't know if I had my thumbs up in it, but I was, you know, I'm a dork. I had, a dork. I get it. I get it. You know, and, hey, and, Oh, I'll get to that in a second. No, so, and I always tell that it's, it's part of you never give up because I didn't let his comment derail the passion I have to, you know, follow this craft, you know? So that's the, that's the gist of the story that he's, that he, he's talking about. That is beautiful. That is awesome. And I want to say, I got to bring up because you said dorky guy in the cockpit with thumbs up or not thumbs up, but May the 4th comes around every year and there is always... The May the Fourth, man, dude. I hundred percent. I Guido shot first. I love everything about Star Wars since I was a kid. So, uh, oh my gosh. the inner nerd shows out. Yeah, you know the funny thing is, is I I have done probably four or five Star Wars themed cartoons. Right. 
I am I am not a Star Wars fan. Really? I'm a Trekkie. Okay. I'm a Star Trek kid. <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny. And I have never drawn I have never drawn a Star Trek themed fire cartoon. So it, it, it's just one of those funny things. That, you are you known, know, but but 100 percent on May the fourth, like it's it's counting. Yeah, it, it's a fun thing. You know that the characters of Star Wars are so rich. It's great. But yeah, um, I'm, I've really never been that much of a fan. Fair enough. Fair enough. I will leave it there and say, <laughs> uh, what you've been instructing since 2020 mm-hmm. or two? No, no, the year 2000. You retired in 2020, so 20 years of instruction, and you're still instructing. So it's not like you retired from instructing, right? Um, I want to know what the next generation of instructors looks like when we're talking about instructing. Oh my gosh. You know, it, 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 it's fun because, you know, when, when, when I first started doing these cartoons and I first became an instructor, you know, we were the, we were that generation, right? We were the next generation that was going to, you know, we were going to make the difference, right? We were going to, we were going to make the ripples through the pond, you know? And at some point I looked in the mirror and I became older. You know, and, and so at some point I looked in the mirror and I saw this 56 year old staring back and dude, and, and, and that can be depressing at times. That can be depressing at times. However, I've had an opportunity to now attend some classes and that sort of thing with some of the younger instructors, uh, people like Basil Ibrahim, you know, uh, Sean Duffy, Danny McCauley from Boston, you know, um, Nick Papa. Yes. And that's just a drop in the bucket of some of these younger instructors. Absolutely. And, they're, and they're doing the one thing that I love. They're questioning things. They're not going back and saying, well, that's, that's the way it's done. They're saying, is there a way that we can do things better? Now, better. again, yes. question everything, you know, and, and, I, and I've always believed in that. And I'm not talking about questioning, you know, your SOGs, you know, breaking the rules, that sort of thing. But you got to question how things are done or things never change. You know, the apparatus we have are different than the ones we had 25, 30 years ago because someone was like, hey, can we do this better? Now, I know some of it's corporate driven, but again, how can we do this? Good? How can we make gear safer? How can we make, you know, tools, you know, more effective? Those are people that were asking questions. And I love what these new instructors are doing because they're taking what they've learned and they're going, hmm. How can we make this better? How can we t- change this to today's fires, today's fire service, today's building construction, the tools, the equipment, everything that we have? How can we make it better? And I had an opportunity to set in, in some of these classes like Grant Shalby's, you know, all these, these, these younger guys that I call younger guys, yes, you know, that, that, that teach me something. And I love that. I love it because you're never too old to learn. You know, and you've got to always be learning in all directions. You know, I still want to learn from the guys, the Vinny Duns, and, and, you know, because I know he's putting stuff out and I read everything he puts out on his battle space stuff on Facebook, you know, and the things that he's doing. But I'm also looking at the next generation of instructors and getting inspired by these guys because they're teaching me new techniques. And I absolutely love that. Thousand you know, percent. and so the, you know, people can say what they want to about the next generation. They can say to what they want about the fire service. I'm telling you right now, the fire service is in good hands. Hell yeah. Because of people like this. And it's, and these are the ones in the national scene, you know, because there are firefighters in every firehouse who are doing the exact same thing because of people like this inspiring them to do it. I you know, so the fire service is in good hands. I'm excited. 
I try not to interrupt you when, when people no. are passionate and go, no, 100%. It's selfishly because I have to create a soundbite for every, for every podcast that I put out. And when, when someone's on a roll, man, I don't want my voice interrupting it. And I'm sitting there like time stamping it over here on the side on my notepad. I'm time stamping. I'm like, I just did like four timestamps. I got to figure out which one's the best later. But 100%, dude, you just absolutely yeah. crushed it with that because, uh, 1000%, man, that is the future. And it is in good hands. Um, the philosophy of being the target, man, that's, that's a, the big red circles, the right. guy standing in the middle, man, the philosophy of being the target and the double meaning. So go. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's funny that I, I, I actually did my, um, and I, and I kind of rolled this out for the Orlando fire conference and, 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 and I, and I really wanted to change the presentation that I was giving because, I was, you know, it was called Be the Target or, you know, The Art of Making a Difference. I changed the titles over the last couple of years, but it was always the same thing. It was how to be a leader. Okay, great. You know, you can take a lot of classes. You can read a lot of books that tell you how to be a leader. But, you know, rarely do you find anything that's like, okay, now you've got success. How do you deal with this? Right. And as you know, any success that you have, what comes with it? Oh, yeah. There's some dark criticism. You know, yeah, and it just fires off and fires off. And again, it doesn't have to be on a national scene, even in your own firehouse. Absolutely. You know, again, you put that target on you. But the double meaning of this, and it's funny because when I was, you know, and I didn't intend to make it a promo for the class, but it ended up kind of being a promo for the class. Right. Was I just put that cartoon out there and said, be the target. Let's discuss. And. I never really got the answer because, I mean, it, it, and of course, you know, being on Facebook and Instagram, you know, everyone, you know, everyone was putting their comments and it was fantastic. You know, I was reading these things and it was, you know, I'm the, you know, I want to be the target. You know, I, I feel like I have the target on me now, all of these things. And what I didn't get was I want to be the target for others to aspire to be. Like and that, that was the meaning of the class. That was what I wanted at the end of this to everyone to understand. That, yeah, you're going to be the target of criticism, but the point of it is to be the target for others to aspire to be. Nice. That I want to be like my lieutenant when I first walked into the firehouse, the, the Marlboro man smoking that cigarette, the tough guy. He was a target of someone I wanted to be. Nice. And there are, you know, hundreds of those guys yes. for me that have targets on them. It's, it, it's Captain Mike Duke, you know, uh, Mike Galliano, my, one of my most loved friends. You know, it's people like that. It's it's Chief Jim Crawford, Chief Aaron Heller, all these people where I look at them, they don't even know they have a target on them. Right. And it's not and a it's target your, of criticism. It's your target. It's my target because that's somebody that I want to aspire to become. Yes. And, you know, and it's a moving target. It really is because just as soon as I think I may have zoned in on it, it moves. And that's right. beautiful. No, no. Because it should you know, and so that's what that the beat a target cartoon really meant was I will stand here. I will be I will take your criticism for what I believe. Now, being that I know you've, you've seen times where I put up the fan mail I get. Right. You know, you know so, I mean, I get criticism and there probably 90 percent of it. I, you know, I would even put out there because it's not meant for public eyes. And I have some fun with the criticism, you know, at times. Absolutely. That's part but of the fun of it. I, I got an email and this, this gentleman was from a volunteer uh, department. Um, I'll leave the state out of it, but he had, he was, it started off with, 
you know, I hope you're happy. I was the target. I just got fired. And basically what he did was, is he went in and had tried to have a petition signed to get his chief and the mayor fired <laughs> and no one signed it. And as a result, he got fired. He got terminated. And I was like, well, you know, here's the bad part about not attending my class is I put in there just because you have an idea doesn't mean it's a good one. Doesn't mean it's the one you should act upon. <laughs> you know, it doesn't always mean it's a good one. And this is what I was talking about. You know, you surround yourself with people you trust that will give you the honest answers, not yes men. Yes. You know, this is where, you know, I will reach out to people like I was talking about Jim Crawford, Aaron Heller, you know, Mike Galliano, that if I have a cartoon that I'm like, you know, I'm not sure this is a good idea. Right. You no, know, just because, again, I'm thinking of it doesn't mean it's perfect. So I will send it out to one of them and go, nice. what do you think of this? Nice. You know, and sometimes the result I get back isn't the intended, you know, direction of the cartoon. Sometimes it's better. You know, I'll, you know, Bobby Halton will give me that, you know, that feedback as time. Sure. So, you know, you got to surround yourself with people you trust and people that will give you that hard answer to tell you that something is crap if it's crap. You know, I love it. So, no, you know, I love it. Unfortunately, man. unfortunately, this 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 person, you know, didn't get that part of it. But <laughs> but they're going to let you know. They were going to let me know that it's my fault. <laughs> 100%. My fault. They Always. Were fired. Always, man. Brother, uh, there's a lot of comments here. I, I've, I've completely let go. Some Dustin Rourke said, we need a Star Trek cartoon. Not a Trekkie. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So, hey, you're, you're the cartoonist guy. so you yeah, I, make, I agree. Star Trek does not have a their own day that I know Wait. of. So. Yeah. And May the 4th happens to be International Firefighters Day. I don't know how that worked out. but Yeah, and uh, I think, it, no, Cinco de Mayo is International Cartoonist Day. So Oh, really? But they're close, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. no doubt. Like, all right there. Okay, fair enough. 100%. Okay, so, um, yeah, there's lots of things going on. But I want to say books, man. I don't know if you're a reader. I don't know. But I always like to ask every guest that comes on, is there book or books that you think firefighters should be reading? Yeah, you know, and I'll and I'll and I'll talk about the last two that I've read. One's fire service, one's not. Okay, but oh, obviously cool. Nick Papa's uh, coordinated ventilation, dude, hundred percent. Nick did a phenomenal job, and if you never catch, if you've never caught his class, Nick's one of those. Just I'm very envious because he's a very natural born speaker, you know, and he just you know he has a certain charisma when he's up there, something I do not possess, you know. So, but his the the book is absolutely phenomenal. Again, I love learning things that I thought maybe I knew either confirmed or these are new tactics that I'd never really thought about. Right on. So Nick's book is absolutely phenomenal. And also from Adam Stelzner, it's called the right kind of crazy. Uh, he was uh, part of NASA's uh, um, orbital and, and uh, Mars landing uh, okay. program. And it talks about, you know, the teamwork, the leadership, the creativity, being able to think outside the box, inspire your people to be creative. Okay. You know, so, and, and again, it's, it's, it's meant more for, you know, corporate, but the parallels application per, you know, absolutely yes. linked yeah. to the fire service. So it's a fantastic book, but it's the right, right kind of crazy, right? Kind of crazy. And I love hearing about new books, man. So I love hearing that Nicholas Papa, huge fan, coordinated yes. ventilation. It's everyone phenomenal. should read it, man. Like functional fire company, coordinated ventilation, the two books, everybody should read if you're in the fire service. And yep. then now I've got a new one to read right kind of crazy. So I love it. Yep. And, and it's by Adam Stelzner because there's also a Navy SEAL, I think, that has written a book from the same title. 
Oh, okay. But fine uh, stillsters. Yes. Not knocking the seals, but... No, 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 no. But this, right. just referring to the book, yeah. That and one. anything that's like Drawn by Fire, volume one, two, three, or four, five. Is it five now? Four. Four. Okay. I thought it was four, but I wasn't sure. I don't want to sell you short. Oh, no. So, 1,000%. Okay. We have a thing we do on the weekly scrap. It is called the five questions for firefighters. After like a hundred of them or so, we felt like we worn out all the answers. And so we switched it to the next five questions for firefighters. It is five questions, hundred percent. The answers, there's no right answers. It's your opinion. I rate them completely arbitrarily based off how I feel about your answers at the time. Um, I've gotten a lot of hate mail slash fan mail slash criticism on the five questions. They're like, of course, everyone's an expert. All you do is give out max points. And I want to tell everybody this is like, if you're on the scrap, you're like a legitimate person in the fire service. So your answer should be top tier. So anyway, I, I, I don't try, but anyway, here we go. Paul Combs. Are you ready for the next five questions for firefighters? Bring it. All right, here we go. What single characteristic makes the difference between a run-of-the-mill firefighter and the top-tier go-to badass firefighter? Passion, drive, and humility. I'm right. Nothing starts without passion. You know, and you've got to have that drive to keep... Moving forward, function forward when things are, you know, in your way, the criticism, you know, and you've got to have humility about it. I can't knock it. I cannot knock it. Passion, drive, humility. Number two, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice as a rookie, what would it be? You know, I think it'd be to listen more. Hmm. Ask more questions. I think, no, I think it'd be to ask more questions, you know, and to maybe enjoy the ride a little more. Hmm. You know, I got into the fire service late. I didn't, like I said, I I kind of fell into it by accident, you know, and I was 28 when I started. So um, by the time I got into it, it was, it was always just one, one thing to check off the box next after the next, after the next, as soon as you get your training, then, you know, then you want to be that five-year guy, right? you know, because my, you know, I, one of my first chiefs said, you know, you're not worth a damn until you've got five years on the job. Well, then five years becomes a mark. Now I just right. I want to get to that mark. And then it was being, you know, let's be an instructor. So I, I tend to be goal oriented to a fault at times. And I think if I could go back, it's just enjoy the ride a little bit more. Dude. Ask more questions. Laugh a little bit more. Don't be so serious about everything. You know, and I, and I know it sounds kind of silly about, you know, as a cartoonist being too serious. But when it <laughs> came to the fire service, that's the way it was. You know, and still am. Thousand percent. And I got a son that just got on the job. So to me, this question has a lot of a, a if I could go back in time and tell my son something. And dude, yeah. you just encapsulated it there so much. Uh, in that that's a hundred percent max points on that um just enjoy the ride you're gonna screw up you're gonna make mistakes and you're gonna learn from them um paul combs what number three what is your favorite training drill for me it's anything to do with search or victim drags because to me i mean what, what what is our number one job as firefighters hell yeah save lives save lives everything that is the tip of the spear 
And it, it's just like, you know, I, it, one of the things I always tell my hot class, you know, when we're doing commercial fireground, you know, with, with on-scene training is we do these, we talk about doing searches. We talk about doing drags, that sort of thing is I keep my gear in a state of, of rescue ready. Yes. I, I keep it, you know, I don't have a lot of crap on here. I don't carry the kitchen sink with me, but everything I carry has something to do with rescue. I can take in tools that I need. Everything else is right where, you know, and honestly, I keep my gear set the same way it's been probably for the last 24 years. You know, I mean, and I'm sitting here and I'm talking about it, thinking about the things and I'm reaching, you know, <laughs> just out of muscle memory, yes. I'm reaching yes. for those, those tools, you know? So, you know, it, to me, that's what it's always about. So the thing that gets me most excited to train about is doing the searches, victim drags, finding new ways of getting the people out because they don't have the benefit of the gear. They don't have the air, the, the time. Everything has to be faster, quicker, more efficient. Um, oh, pressure, so, yes. yeah. So, yeah. And so that's what excites me again about some of the newer <laughs> instructors that are coming up and the passion they've got. Yes. I'm learning new things. And, 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 and forgive me because I cannot remember the name of the instructor or the videos that I was watching where they were using like jujitsu moves to grab people's wrists, you know, and I haven't tried that to see how it works. No, but Todd I love Shepherd. the concept Todd of his, outside the box. His Kimura, Kimura, Kimura dirty drag, yeah. Yeah, 100%. you yes. know, things like that. I mean, I, I wouldn't have thought of that 25 years ago. No, I didn't think you know? it. Dude, I, I, one of my favorite things is north-south Kimura grip when I'm rolling, and I never thought of applying it to a dirty drag inside of a structure. Yeah. And, and, and it was beautiful, man. I love it. And... 1,000%, dude. You get a max points on that. Not only it ties right back into your answer number one, passion, drive, humility. Dude, 1,000%. Number four, what mistake have you learned the most from in your fire service career? I think the biggest mistake, I mean, other than, I mean, oh my gosh, every every call, I'm sure I, I, I would beat myself up about every little detail. I mean, again, while the guys are, are, are busting my balls in the, in the truck, I'm rehashing every bad decision I made, even, you know, the minute ones, you know. Yes. But I think I tend to obsess over not being prepared enough. And I mean, to the point to where... Uh, and it's something my wife and I, again, we just celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary. Today's actually the day. Oh, serious? Yeah, today's our anniversary. Dude, congratulations, my friend, Thank brother. You. And you're on the scrap. Dude, yeah. you're a sp- <laughs> Which I, will play I, it well with this next comment. I now know the real MVP of this whole. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no. So, you know, I, it, I would, especially when I became a company officer, I obsessed about not knowing enough because I didn't want to get myself and especially my crew in a situation where I got them hurt. Absolutely. So it was always, always reading, researching, thinking, doing different things. And and times when she needed me to be her husband, a lot of those times I was there. I couldn't separate the two boxes. I couldn't be family and I couldn't be there because I obsessed over that, you know? So I, 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 I never could be too prepared. You know, and, and that's a and that's a double edged sword. And I know that you know you, you want to be prepared. You want to always be training and thinking, but there comes a point where you do it too much. And it, oh yeah, and I think it becomes a counterbalance at that point because now you don't. I, I think you start to maybe even second guess the things you already know. 
No. You know, so if, again, to go back along with, you know, what we were talking about, things that we, sh- we wish we could do differently is maybe to lighten up a little bit more and to, to trust my own instincts more than I probably did. No. And that's that hindsight talking because, uh, you are peering deep into my soul where I took care of my fire family way better at times than I did my home family because times, yeah. no, because you, you, you can, you can justify it better by saying, but that's a life and death decision as opposed to this is a, yes. uh, a, what's the right word to say? How, how important yeah, are you to me to say? Yeah, I don't. I don't know the right way to say it, but yeah, I, I don't. I don't have the words for that, but I get what you're saying. No, 100. You articulated it very much better than I'm trying to, dude. A thousand percent max points on question four because uh, I think you just peeked inside my brain for my approach to company officer. Um, final question number five: Heavy fire, searchable space. Would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on VES? Ooh, VES all day. <laughs> that was there was no hesitation there. No, VES all day. <laughs> Again, because to me that's what it's all about. No, I agree. You know, if you if yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's what it's all about. You know, I want I I, I want to be the one in there trying to save lives because again, it, and this is maybe it's an ego thing, but I feel like I'm the one prepared to do it. You know, and even as a company officer, it's like, okay, my crew is the one ready to do it. Let's yes. go. I, I've made them ready for, you know, this. it's that pride thing of, you yes. know, this is, this is what <laughs> I want to do. This is why I became a firefighter. You know, dude, you absolutely just blew the five questions for firefighters out of the water. And that's officially the five questions, the next five questions for firefighters, according to Paul Combs. Um, and that makes it officially 140 scraps in the books. Paul Combs, if someone wants to get a hold of you, more info, where you're going to be, how to get a hold of you, let them know. Uh, the easiest way is just go right to my website, which is paulcombsart.com. And from there, you can go, you can contact me, see some more store, all that stuff is, is a conduit through there. So Perfect. It's the perfect place, paulcombsart.com. Uh, there we go. Next up on the agenda, Legacy Fire Conference this weekend, Seguin, Texas. I'm excited to be there. Uh, if you are going to be there, get tickets, go show up. If you're there to be there, get tickets with me or get pictures with me. Mutts don't scrap pictures. Every one of you, I want to see it. Uh, and following up that in June, beginning of June, first in conference in Arkansas. Uh, other than that, next up on the scrap is Chief Richard Kelly out of OKC Fire Department. One week from today on May 23rd, he is the next guest that is going to happen. Awesome. Um, it's going to be amazing. Uh, my brother, Paul Combs. Dude. Hey, I it's been an honor. I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about this one, man, because like you, like, like you, here's the tickle. Here's the jabs. Here's the gut punches. And I feel like that's what I went through on this interview. <laughs> like a hundred percent, dude. There's times when I was like, I'm like, this is not right, brother. Man, oh, you're like, you're like hitting yeah. me in the gut, my man. Oh. So, this has been a pleasure. I dude. really appreciate you inviting me on. It really is. I, man, I, I, don't, I, I, I was looking through the list of the guests you've had, the, the, the 139 prior to me, and it. Trust me, the, the, the humility part is strong. Uh, so, I'm honest. I'm honestly, honestly honored to be here, brother. Uh, 
in the lexicon of the of the scrap, dude, you you are up there on the Mount Rushmore because I don't I and I don't say this lightly. Please do not take this as a uh, flattery or a fluffing of your pillow or anything in that in that regard. I cannot think of anybody um, who, even my son, he has like six months on the job. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I told him I'm like I'm going to interview Paul Combs tonight. He's like, who's that? And I like pull up the phone, and he's like, oh, that guy. You know what I'm saying? And and so I don't know how you feel about that, but what I'm saying is is like I said, my work is far fa- more famous than I'll ever be. Dude, I'm that telling is you. Awesome. It that is, is awesome. It is so someone in the comments earlier, I, I didn't get to, I get I didn't get to mention it, but they're like, I've I've not seen a presentation recently from anybody that doesn't include a piece of Paul Combs artwork in some way, shape, or form making a point. And so I hope you wear that with a badge of honor. I really do. And I, I do because that's the point is, you know, again, I've, I've always said I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box, <laughs> you know, and, and the work that I do is, is meant to inspire conversations and dialogue for part people far smarter, smarter than me to figure this out. And I think um, this, I'm a conduit, I'm a conduit for the dialogue. And you are a phenomenal person that does it. Thank, um, you. thank you for being such a phenomenal <laughs> guest. 1000%, uh, 140 in the books. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Honored. For all the audience, thank you for the questions. Thank you for being here. Remember, mutts don't scrap. I hope the tone stays silent unless it's burning. Everybody stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.